Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And to the show, we've got another case study Sunday, and we're going to do something, I'll tell you what, a little bit different than what we'd usually do. We were recently on our book tour around the country, and we went to Havelock North. And we met an awesome property investor who came up to us at the end of the night, and we'll call him Aaron. And he said, I've driven three hours to get here. I've got a three-hour drive back. How do I get myself on a case study Sunday? Can I send you my situation? And so we said, yes. He sent us all of his personal details. And bear in mind, we're not giving him financial advice. We're not giving you financial advice in this. But what we are doing is we're going to talk to you about how we would approach this sort of situation and talk about broad numbers. Though, of course, we actually sat down with Aaron and his partner, Sue, made up names to protect privacy then we'd probably dig into this a few more. So we're going to raise some questions as we go. But Andrew, what were Aaron and Sue's goals? Retirement at 60 years old, which is eight years away. So they want to spend 150k a year. Now that's after tax, so it's 213k pre-tax if you're working on one person, but obviously you could split that and bring down your tax rate. Yeah, just the trouble with modelling, just so everybody knows though, is it gets really tough because you've got different marginal rates. Now, if we were to just talk about that as if it was a trust, for instance, then we're talking about earning about 223k per year before tax. So retirement at 60 years old, which is eight years away for these people, and they want to spend 150k a year after tax, so that's about 213k pre-tax income. Now, what's the current situation? They've got a household income of about 177k. They've got two existing investment properties and one former owner-occupied property in Tauranga, which is currently being rented out as well. Yep, and they're currently renting in the town that they're living in. I won't say which one because it's quite a small community. Now, what have they done so far? Well, they've bought two investment properties using another property coaching company. They used Positive Real Estate, and they've got a pretty decent KiwiSaver between them, about 180k. And they're very good savers, actually. They've got, I think, 90K in savings, and they've got the ability to save about $35,000 a year between them, which is truly excellent, by the way. They've also got a financial plan, which they kindly sent us. That was put together by a financial advisor in Auckland, and they're talking about that maybe they can borrow up to $800,000 was what came through in that report, but that was about a year ago. Now, they've got some specific questions. Hey, look, we've got that former owner-occupier property in Tauranga. We're currently renting in the small town we live in. We don't really want to buy an owner-occupier in the town because, Ed, you tell us it's overvalued and we agree with you. But really, how do we achieve our goals to retire on a pretty decent income? And what should we do with that Tauranga property? So, Andrew, how might we help them achieve those retirement goals and see whether that's realistic or not? So we ran their numbers through my wealth plan and we used the golden goose strategy based on a 213k passive income, which works out to be $5.32 million worth of assets required in today's dollars. So that's an enormous amount of money. They've got to find $5.3 million. How on track are they? Well, at the moment, they can't use their KiwiSaver in the calculation because they're retiring before the age of eligibility and we can't use their superannuation because Again, they'll be too young to be able to access that. So using just the rental properties, cashing those in, turning them into high-yielding properties at age 60, of the 213 that they require, they're on track for $83,000 a year before tax, which means they've got a shortfall of $3.2 million. Now, let me just put that into perspective. They're eight years away from retirement, and they need to make about $3.2 million. Now, if they wanted to save that amount of money, just put it into a bank, no interest, they would need to stash under their mattress 
$405,000 a year for the next eight years to save up that $3.2 million. Now, nobody's going to do that. And even if you could, which is more than twice their pre-tax income, nobody's going to do that. But if they wanted to do it just by savings, it'd be a huge amount. Now, the key point here is, and it actually said this in the financial report that they got sent from a financial advisor, they're not going to be on track to achieve that goal based on what they're doing right now. So what are their options, Andrew? So first of all, I think you should review your goals. So I'd be really keen to know how you'd actually calculated you wanted 150k a year. That might have just been, you know, maybe the Massey University's guidelines of having that affluent lifestyle, and I'm all for aiming high. But the current cost of your lifestyle is about $97,000 a year, once we've excluded savings and KiwiSaver. And tax for that as well. Yep. And so that works out to be about 130 k a year of gross income. Yep, so that's pre-tax. So if you were to rerun these numbers, we initially put it through saying, well, could we get investment properties delivering you a net yield of 213 k so that you could then live off your 150 k And we would run your numbers and said, well, how much are you currently spending on your current lifestyle? About $97,000. So you'd need your properties to deliver you under the Golden Goose about 131 k Which again, there's nothing wrong with aiming for a better lifestyle than what you're currently living when you retire because you've got more time to be able to spend. But you know, that's one thing that you could do. But even if you did that, you'd still be slightly off. Remember, in this situation, using the Golden Goose would be aiming for 131k, but nothing's changed. They're still on track for about $83,000 pre-tax at retirement, so they would still have a wealth gap. So we'd still need to do some work in that situation. Second thing you could do is review the date which you want to retire. So yeah, you want to slow down working at 60, but maybe actually we could do that at 65 because you're going to have more time in the market. You've got more time that you can add to your KiwiSavers. We can then factor in superannuation. Then you're closer to being on track. So let's come back to my wealth plan, Andrew. Let's say that instead of this wealth plan going for eight years, so retiring at 60, we're going to say it goes for 13 years and they're going to retire at 65. And you know what? Let's keep that quite ambitious goal in there of living off $150,000, spending $150,000 a year. So I've just added superannuation in, and let me put in their Kiwi Savers. So at the moment, Aaron's Kiwi Saver is 76 grand, and he's earning just under $80,000 a year, and he's in quite an aggressive fund, a growth fund. And then I'm also going to add in Sue's Kiwi Saver as well. She has got a Kiwi Saver of about 100k and earns about 100k a year. And I don't actually know what fund she's in, so we're going to put her in a balanced fund. So if we add those two Kiwi Savers in, and we add the superannuation in, and we say, hey, those properties, those three existing rental properties that you've got, those are going to have more time in the market, an extra five years. That puts your plan up to, oh, actually, you'd be able to retire with a pre-tax income of 160k. Of course, that's still not quite your goal of 213, but your wealth gap's gone from about 3.2 million down to 1.3 million. So instead of having to save $400,000 a year, you now only have to save $100,000 a year. Now, again, you're not going to be doing that. And we're already including the fact that you're saving 35 grand a year in here, but you need some more investments. So Andrew, if you were sitting in front of Sue and Aaron, what would you start to be looking at doing here? I'd probably look at replacing one of the assets. And actually, I don't think we mentioned what those properties are. Oh yeah, start. I just suddenly realised that. 
So why don't you walk us through what their investment properties are? So there's a Tauranga property, which is worth about a million dollars, got about 400k left owing on that. So that was their former owner-occupier. And then they've got these two one-bedroom apartments, right? Yeah, and we've worked on the Wellington one being worth about 715, owing about 435, and Hamilton, 605k value with 320k owing on it. And we use a relatively conservative capital growth rate in there. So you may achieve better than this, but we use a 3.5% capital growth rate, being our standard growth of 5% for outside of Auckland and then discounted because of the fact that it is a yield product. A one-bedroom apartment is a yield-based product. And from the research we've done, apartments tend to get less capital growth than other types of properties. And on top of that, one-bedroom apartments tend to get less growth than apartments with larger number of bedrooms. So then probably what I'd do is I'd say, okay, well, let's take out one of those yield properties. So let's say we take out Hamilton, which has, again, we've, we've worked on a lower growth rate, 3.5%. So it's got about 280k worth of equity in it. Let's say it's 250 by the time you've sold it. So we'll take that as an asset, but we'll add in an Auckland property, an Auckland growth property. Let's say it's a million bucks with 250k worth of cash invested, which is from the sale, and a 6% capital growth rate. Okay, so that takes us, we were at 160K a year, that's taken us up to 180K a year. So extra $20,000 worth of passive income by changing that asset. Now, what else could we do, Andrew? Because we're still about 35 grand away. We could add on another property as well. So let's add on one more property borrowing 100%. So let's again probably go Auckland because we're looking for the highest amount of growth in the shortest period of time. Let's work on a property now worth, say, 800000 so a slightly cheaper entry-level property at 6% capital growth rate. Okay, that takes us up to two hundred and six grand per year. And what else might we do just to nudge us over the edge and give us some comfort? So with that additional Auckland property at 100% borrowing, that gets them to $206,000 gross taxable income. Then I'd go and get some tax advice. Now, when we're making our assumptions here, we're working this on, on one person's taxable income, which is the most inefficient way of doing it. If you go and put this in a look-through company and split the profits 50-50, then you get a lower tax rate. So now, bear in mind, Ed McKnight is not a tax accountant, but the person that we're recording this for actually is. So if we look at them earning $206,000, if they were to do that just through one person, through a standard income calculation, they'd be paying about 60 grand worth of tax per year. But if you were to split that income, for instance, through a look-through company, so that each partner in this instance earned half the income, that would take the amount of tax down to about 50k a year. So the key point here is that if they were to structure it in a really tax inefficient way, they'd be spending about $144,000 per year. But if we were to do it in a better tax planned way and split it between the two parties so that they were minimising the level of tax, then they would be living on about $156,000 per year. So about 12k better off. So this is the kind of example of where we often use a tool like My Wealth Plan, which is our internal planning tool and is now external as well, to get people within the ballpark and then once you get close enough, we start to think, well, could we plan out the tax side a bit more efficiently so that we're able to get the amount you're actually able to live off more closely? Now, let me just summarize kind of what we're talking about here. The first thing we said is, well, you can either compromise on the amount you want to spend or you can compromise on when you end up retiring. And in this example, we've said, okay, 
Maybe Sue and Aaron might like to say, well, we're going to work for an extra five years, but that's going to get us a little bit closer to the goal. The second thing is that, Aaron, you were talking about, well, should we sell that Tauranga property? And there were some considerations there around Brightline. Well, actually, in this example, and of course, we're not telling you to do this because we don't know anything about you other than what you've sent us. So this isn't financial advice. You might like to think about selling your Hamilton property, for example, and purchasing two Auckland properties. And just bear in mind, even though when we're doing this calculation, we put that cash that you got from that into the new build, that wouldn't be the most tax efficient way of doing it. You'd actually put that into your existing rental properties because they've got interest deductibility phase out. But again, we're just giving you some things to think about on the show. The other thing that's important to note, Andrew, is with, in this example, we're talking about taking on a net about $1.2 million worth of debt to do this. Let me ask you this. Would it be possible for these guys, just, just ballpark, based on what you've seen, to be able to do that? It doesn't seem inconceivable. You have to go and talk to a broker. I mean, if, if it's more efficient properties, that's probably going to work. One thing, again, that I don't know is whether or not there's body corporate fees on those properties that we've got at the moment, which sometimes make it a harder deal. So getting rid of some of those yield properties that have higher body corporate that make it difficult, makes it easier to get more lending. The other thing is, if you're saving $35,000 a year, that shows the banks that you're actually living within your means. And so that's going to make you more likely to get approved. But this is how you might start to approach this situation. And I really appreciate that Aaron sent this all through because it's always fascinating getting an insight into a couple's personal financial situation and just starting to think about what are the different options to help them move forward. And I tell you what, this is basically exactly what we go through in a lot of our portfolio planning sessions where you work with a financial advisor that Andrew and I train to be able to use all the strategies we talk about in the book and on the podcast and actually apply it to your situation to think through what are your various options. So if you do want to learn more, easy way to sign up for that or learn more, whip out your phone, send us a text, text the word plan to 5522, we'll give you a buzz, see if it's the right fit. And of course, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, really does help us get the message out to more people. listening to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most of the property market. Until next time.